Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. My counterpart coach at Carmel High School and friend Taylor Marshall and I go through a recap of Week 1B. We go through our overreactions from just two weeks of Indiana High School across country. Talk about uh, some of the coaching adjustments needed to make in this uh, warm weather of late August in the Midwest. And we even kind of go through some of our pain from sports losses as Indiana sports fans. Cue the Taylor Marshall drop. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. All right. I'm here with my friend, my counterpart coach, the girls head coach uh, for the cross country team at Carmel High School, Taylor. Uh, Taylor's pretty warm outside. It's very warm outside. So that's why I'm inside beautiful air conditioned room here. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get into how warm it is and, and what we'll do about that this week. But uh, I'm just thankful to not be racing today. Let's uh, let's go through. a. We're calling this week one B. I noticed as I looked through INCCStats.com. Shout out, as always, to INCC Stats. Uh, in the past, they've used this as week one and just had adjustments for the prior week. Uh, the, the main meet the prior week was the early, early meet at Laverne. Uh, we've got a different uh, key meet this week, obviously. And they used uh, both of those as week one. So we're going to call that week one A. We did the week one A recap with Scott Lidskin. We're doing the week one B recap here. Uh, Taylor Marshall and Colin Altavote, that's me. Uh, one, one Hokum Taylor, Westfield girls dominated Franklin girls were second and the Franklin girls made the state meet last year on the boys side, the Westfield boys won on the strength of the winning tandem. They had Kai Connor, who we have ranked as one of our 25 best boys in preseason on Indiana runner and his teammate, Josh Barnett, uh, pretty impressive start for Westfield really on both sides. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about Westfield girls a lot today, I think, because of how strong uh, they've gotten out of the gate. Um, I believe uh, they graduated six of their top seven from last year and really didn't know who would be around or not. So it looks like on, on uh, Indiana Runner, the, the committee of one um, who may or may not be present on this podcast, uh, ranked them at 36th. And then INCC stats, the official statisticians, I'm assuming, of Indiana Runner podcast. Uh, that's to be confirmed by you. Uh, you had him 24th. I, I mean, look, a really, really strong effort out of the gate. Uh, you know, when you lose six to seven, you have no idea uh, what you got. And, um, you know, they are the biggest, my biggest surprise team on the boys or girls side uh, this season so far. And they, uh, they have state meet potential, that's for sure. And losing six of seven is, is rare anytime but especially on the girls' side, and it's just really impressive what Whitney Bevins, their coach, and what, what the girls on the team have, have been able to do so far this fall. And we'll see them. You and I, like I said, both coach at Carmel. Westfield is in Hamilton County. It's just the town north of, of Carmel. They'll be at the Hamilton County meet, which is, uh, I believe, what, nine days from today? Uh, it's on Sounds a Tuesday, right, Tuesday the 31st. Tuesday night, yep, on the 31st, nine days exactly. Uh, another meet, uh, I don't know. So in, in central Indiana, we have the Metropolitan Interscholastic Conference, the MIC, but we call it the MIC. There's yes. the Northern Indiana Conference. I don't know if they call it the NIC or if they call it the NIC. So I'm going to call it the NIC Stomp. 
Lillian Zelasco from Rochester won in 1852, and Bailey Ranta, who we know is a confirmed all-state level athlete. She's been all-state in cross-country and in the 3200. She was second. Zelasco with a, let me do the math here, 46-second 40, victory over Ranta. So a very, very impressive early start there uh, by Lillian Zelasco. Chesterton girls. We feel like they might be a podium team. Scott and I talked about that last week. They looked very, very good on Laverne Gibson, the famed Laverne Gibson cross-country course, home of the state meet. Last week, Chesterton girls solid. Again, they win the Frosch soft race. They win the junior-senior race. Penn boys won the Frosch soft race in the junior-senior race. Mariano Retzlov won. He was fifth last year at the state meet, one of the best runners in Indiana. And his teammate, Carter Castor, was just two seconds behind him. Anything kind of stick out? from that meet for you? Well, the Zalasco win, right? I mean, a 42nd plus uh, victory over a girl. You know, Colin, you and I were at uh, Terre Haute for that Laverne uh, early uh, kickoff race on the 14th, and we got Taylor, a chance. Taylor, early, early. Early, early, okay, yes. it was very early. You gotta be early, early earlier than that. Yeah, I think I got up at 3.45 that morning, so it was very early. Oh, you get uh, up but, at 3.45 half the time, Taylor. That's true, that's true. Well, when you get old, Colin, you can't sleep, but. Uh, Bailey Ranta just dominated. I mean, we, she had a huge lead over the field and it did close, uh, you know, quite a bit the last couple hundred meters. I think we've seen that out there in video, whatever, but, uh, I mean, she was so dominant and then to look at this result, uh, Zalasco is just on fire right now. So, uh, two really, really talented girls, uh, up North. The Brownsburg 4k, this is kind of split. I, I looked through. You and I were both at the Zionsville 4K, which was hosted at Northview Church, uh, former home of the Carmel and Franklin Central semi-state. Uh, there used to be more teams at the Zionsville one, and now they've kind of split among these two meets. At the Brownsburg 4K, there were more or less four teams present. Avon, Brownsburg, obviously, Columbus North, and Fishers. Uh, the Columbus North girls did not go to this. Avon girls were impressive against Fishers and Brownsburg. I didn't see scores, but I know if you did add up the scores, the Avon girls would have won. I feel like I talked about Westfield being a, an impressive team, a team that has at least caught your eye. Avon girls, I think kind of in that same, in that same position right now. Is it a little too early to call them a state meet team? We'll see after the break. We're going to talk about some of these teams. Um, on the boys' side, I, did, I couldn't find team scores, but I did do an unofficial score. Now I did cross country standards is that only seven people can impact the scoring. When I did that, I had to take out some of Fisher's eight, nine, maybe even 10 Columbus North split squad. They sent a lot of their boys to Zionsville. Some of their other boys to Brownsburg, the split squad from Columbus North. It's not an A or a B team. Even it's, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know another way to do it other than A or B, but you would just yeah. randomly assign it. You know, uh, um, what, what are their school colors? Blue, blue and white. So blue and white. Yeah. This is Columbus team goes North. Here, white blue. Team goes yep. there. Yeah. Yep. And, and the white team maybe went to Zionsville. Uh, Columbus North, 38 to 39 over Fishers unofficially. That was just me calculating it up last night about 10 o'clock or so. And as you say, you know, when, when you're older, can't, can't, can't sleep. sleep. Uh, Reese Kilbarger, Stump, and Matt Newell, the stars from Columbus North, two boys that we feel like could probably finish in the top five of the state meet. Uh, yeah. They went one, two. And a couple of questions that maybe we had answered, at least our committee of one from Indiana Runner. 
Sam Clore for Avon. He was a star distance runner in the track season. I think he ran under 945 in the 3200, but he hadn't run cross country before. He is running for Avon. He's going to be a sophomore. Well, he is a sophomore this year. He ran and he was very, very good. I think he finished fourth. And then I'm going to stumble upon this name possibly, but maybe not. Sam Quaglione of Fishers. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, we had talked about, I, I heard uh, maybe he wasn't going to run cross country. Maybe he was interested in some other sports. He is running. He is real and he is spectacular. I think he ran under a pace for 4K that would equate to 16 minutes for a full 5K in his first race. And so Fisher's boys looked really, really good. Uh, they're always good, right? Yeah, perennial podium team. And maybe we'll, we'll revisit that here again uh, later on. But, uh, you know, an embarrassment of riches for Fisher's as they uh, – pulling another really strong freshman here. Uh, and you mentioned Sam Clore for Avon. You know, that's a huge boost for that Avon team. Um, I, I will have to see if it's enough really to get out of that semi-state. It's by far the most difficult semi-state, but, um, you know, I think it definitely kind of jumpstart uh, a program that, you know, uh, has kind of had some difficulties past couple of years that, but has tons of potential and, and ability. Yeah, and they've, they've looked really, really good this, this early on. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that later on. This is the meet that you and I were at, at uh, on, our, on our home course, I suppose. But most, most schools in the area have, have Northview Church as their, as their home course because it's an excellent course. We're lucky to have a place that, that good that's uh, accessible to all these different teams. So hosted by Zionsville at Northview. Uh, Noblesville girls won the 9-10 race, the freshman-sophomore race. Carmel girls, your team, our team, I suppose. We both teach at Carmel. Uh, won the 11-12 of the junior-senior race. And individually, Floyd Central's Jaden Cerencioni. Taylor, she lit the course on fire. 14-46 over 4K. She took off at the 2K marker, and she ran away from – uh, some serious all-state level girls and made it look easy. Um, that was really impressive. She never looked back. So um, Circioni, yeah, in an amazing performance, really strong. Be exciting to see Floyd Central again here in a few weeks. Uh, I, the other highlight uh, for me on the girls' side, uh, Brinkley Cooper from Noblesville, right, the freshman. Um, she's legit. She's legit. She was their number one runner on a team that uh, – you know, is uh, in that podium conversation, solidly in that podium conversation. Um, so that was an impressive performance from her too. I think it was Josh Horowitz when I had him on a, a few weeks ago as we were doing our previews, called it Noblesville. They've a lot of young talent there. Last year, they were almost entirely freshmen and sophomores. He called it a reload upon a reload. So they've got all of these girls back, all of these uh, really solid distance runners, good athletes. And then the number one runner is a freshman, and that that can really that can be a big boost for their for their program. On the boys' side, Zionsville boys won both races. Nate Killeen, a runner that you coached at North Central previously, uh, had the best time of the day, 12.46. 12.48 is the pace for 16 flat. So he ran just under 16-minute pace on a very, very warm day. And the junior-senior race was later. And it, it certainly, to me, felt like just kind of standing around. At 8 o'clock, it was pretty nice. By 8.30, the start of the boys' frost-off race, it was starting to feel uncomfortable. And then another hour later for the girls' junior – for the boys' junior-senior, rather, and then the, the girls' junior-senior, 
it, it was pretty uncomfortable. It was pretty warm. The humidity hadn't dropped all that much. Ryan Ream from Bloomington South won the Frost Soft Race. He had the second best time of the day in 1250, so just over the pace for 16 flat. What do we make, Taylor, of two sophomores in the top three overall for the boys? Certainly something that doesn't happen very often, right? Um, and I'm kind of wondering, let's, I, let's get your take here. It, it, the difference between a 4K and a 5K, right? I mean, it's, it's essentially, you know, as the, as the race gets longer, you know, the, the older boys have the advantage potentially. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? You think it's just simply the, the 4K? I like the idea of a 4K to start this season. And I, I think one of the topics we may get into, depending on how much time we have, is when you run your kids and when you don't. And you and I kind of uh, did the opposite. So last week, there's a full 5K on Laverne. Uh, the best boys from Carmel, or most of the best boys from Carmel ran. And then some of them didn't run this week. Um, but I, I, I like the idea, especially for the younger kids, of, okay, when you ran in middle school, middle school distance is 3,000 meters. Let's do a 4,000-meter race to kind of progress you up to that. Um, yeah, do – Will the older boys have more of an edge versus the younger kids that maybe haven't run as much volume or don't have as high of a training age? That, that seems logical to me. Yeah. Uh, also, it, it could be that it was five, six degrees warmer and the humidity just didn't really seem to dissipate all that much later right. in the day the way it normally does. So could that have an impact? Or could it be that Nate Killeen is the best runner of that field, clearly? And yeah. Ryan Ream from Bloomington South, you know, he ran under 945 last year uh, in the 3200, and he qualified for the state meet individually as a freshman. He might just be the second best guy. He might be one of the top 25 guys in the state. Um, and yeah. just, well, Jasim Grant from Northview was he broke 16 minutes as a freshman. Those it may be that it doesn't matter. The weather doesn't matter all that much. Uh, with only an hour difference, it could just be that those are the best three guys. And it's like you said, it's, yeah. it's rare for sophomores. To be that so 1248 good. is uh 16 flat pace is what you said, mm -hmm. essentially. Right. Convert yep. to that. So I think I want to say Nate was at 1614 last I think he week. was 1608, 1608. Okay. Yeah. He was somewhere kind of in that range on Laverne, uh, get a chance to see him. He, he looked, you know, again, as you said, I'm, I'm biased here, right. I used to coach Nate, but, um, he looked very comfortable, uh, yesterday kind of cruised to the victory there. Uh, it would have been great to see he and Ryan Ream race each other there early on, but uh, obviously that's not the format of the Zionsville 4K, but uh, he's a he's a top 10, I would say, at the state meet uh, with a potential for a top five finish individually um, on a great day, and he's got a, a pretty nasty kick, so um, that will be exciting to see him later. And that seems right to me that he was 15th last year at the state meet as a sophomore, we talked about, well, it's, it's rare to see freshmen or sophomores up that high, but you know, there were two sophomores in the top 15 in Terre Haute in, in 2020. Uh, then our next meet, I, I'll call this kind of the secondary meet of the week. I really wanted to, we'll get into this. It's, some of you listening to the podcast may get tired of hearing me saying this over the course of the season. I really wanted to make this the meet of the week for, for two reasons. This is the Circle City Conference. It happened at Brebuff. Good course. Burbuff hosts a sectional, a uh, sectional that you were very familiar with as the North Central coach for years. Um, and they used to host the regional. Did you ever coach? You were an assistant at North Central before the head coach. 
Did you ever coach yep. when the, the regional was still at Burbuff? Before I did. We them? went uh, county at Burbuff, sectionals at Burbuff, regionals at Burbuff. So we got pretty familiar with that course down there. And then after a couple of years, it moved up to Noblesville. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's now the host of the circle. I think they may alternate. I'll have to ask Andy or Tom. I think they alternate between Burbuff and Garen. Uh, I did make adjustments on the ones that are 5K. And so what I did was I've tried to, I don't know how accurate I am, especially early on, but I've tried to reverse engineer the inccstats.com, shout out, system for uh, adjusting performance or, or finding, getting them close, uh, close to zero, I suppose, finding a good comparison. Uh, my adjustment on the girls' side was minus 39. Last year it was minus 38. But that makes sense. It was a worse weather year. It was about five degrees warmer, and the dew point was another four or five degrees. The humidity was higher is another okay, way yeah. to say that. This right. year than, than last year on the same weekend, the same second Saturday of the competitive window. So, yeah. uh, But last year the girls went first, and this year they're going second. So it makes sense that the girls' adjustments may be the same. And we'll get into the boys' adjustment, which was – pretty substantially worse this year. So minus 39 means 39 seconds slower than average. Average being in the middle of the season on an, on an average course. Uh, Burbuff may be a little bit better than an average course, but it, it could be right there. Sure. Uh, Lily Cridge ran 17.27. I'm just shaking my head. I know you can't see because it's a podcast. I mean, what, what do you say? I mean, every time out there, she just does something that is totally unbelievable. I believe she would have been... 11th on the boys side in in that race but actually you know what it's lily chris she probably would have squeezed 10th yeah sure uh, no no let's she probably would have finished second. Oh well yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what that's right that's not fair i'm not i'm not if she had the that. competition she probably would have finished second half hour earlier better weather yeah you know it's so exciting right now and maybe it because we're we're living in the present right that we can sit here and we can look at at uh, both guys and girls across the state of indiana uh, just being, you know, some of the historically, some of the best kids, it feels like whether we're talking about Isaiah or Cole or Lily or Sophia, I mean, you know, you're seeing just some incredible performances on the national stage. Um, you know, that, that is just unbelievable. And Hey, by the way, guess what? And let me do the math here. Uh, carry the one Lily Cridge comes back next year. Yeah. Only wow, that's, and and so and there's a whole season ahead of us right and so do a lot of the the other kind of athletes that that you named and if so if the girls adjustment is minus 39 there's a proportional thing again i'm i'm looking at it but but the whoever runs incc stats owns the intellectual property of that and i don't i don't fully understand it certainly uh you can't take 39 seconds off of willie's time right because it's it's a percentage but let's yeah. say 27 seconds to me seems right um that would even be a huge uh adjustment upon the adjustment yeah. to that so that would be a 17 flat on uh for an incc stats i'm just looking it up on my phone right now as we're talking uh the all-time best rating now this is season long rating you want to guess what it is uh, I'm going to say a uh, 16.55 on the girls' side. It's 17.23, and that was Anna Rohr in her – actually in her sophomore year, but that's not very accurate because her senior year, she missed almost the entirety of the season. I don't think she started running until until the sectional and um, 
maybe wasn't giving a full effort in it. And now Anna Rohr was the Foot Locker national champion in her sophomore year when her rating was 17.23 and in yeah. her senior year when her rating was 17.25. Uh, we don't know exactly. Uh, the INCC stats curator has said that uh, the site will be updated about a week from now, probably at the end of next in the next weekend, but yeah. it's going to be minus for Lily Cridge. It, it, we may be getting into like 17 flat territory for her, for her adjustment there on the, uh, Oh, uh, team wise for buff girls, Ed Chatard 39 to 43 and for buff. This was another one of our questions answered for buff got the return of Madeline Keller, who was third in the state meet in 2019. Didn't run for the entirety of last school year. Uh, she's back. She finished, I think third, fourth, fifth, kind of in the middle of the field, uh, yeah. perhaps was maybe helping some of her teammates and, and seeing, you know, after a full year off from racing, seeing seeing how she can get back, she'll be, she's finishing in the top five and scoring is helpful to the team. She obviously helped the team yesterday to, to win the race. And if she doesn't run, then then Chattard would win. Right. Well, and I think with Keller back now, Burbuff is in the conversation for, for potential state meet birth, right? I mean, I think that she having someone up front, not, not a guarantee, obviously, but they're, they're now in that mix with a few other schools. And can, can you be that sixth place team at the Shelbyville semi-state and make it out, which means, you know, historically you look and see the sixth place team at Shelbyville semi-state is going to be somewhere in the 10 to 15 range overall the state, you know, or, or so maybe better. So um, we'll see. Yeah. And both of those, both back. of those schools are Northern Indianapolis teams, right? So Burbuff, Chatard, then factor in much of the Hamilton County schools, North Central girls who have been very, very good last year and, and we feel are pretty good this year. Uh, so it's it's top six at the Shelbyville semi-state. And it's also, you've got to finish in the top five at the Noblesville Regional. And certainly probably one or two teams that could make it out of the semi-state will will be out because they won't, they won't finish in the top five. On the boys' side, the highlight of my weekend so far my adjustment, minus 27. Rough adjustment. Last year, it was minus 20. Uh, makes sense. So the boys, last year, were going later. This year, they're going earlier. So even with the earlier start time, um, the worst conditions made it seven seconds slower. And again, this is a, it's not a guess. It's, it's an educated guess. It's a, it's a very rough adjustment. Mateo Rocio from Burbuff won in 1637, but Burbuff sat uh, their top three runners, they finished third overall. And for the second year in a row, Garen <laughs> boys are your conference champions, 39 to 50 over a young uh, and exciting Chittard team. I'm, I am the ultimate Garen goon. Uh, you know, you may be, you may be more of a finesse guy as you talk about uh, the circle city conference Taylor, but I, I am a total goon. I'm a Garen goon. Yeah. So let me get your your less biased opinion than, than what I have. Well, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're in the same. Uh, I can't really reach your level of enthusiasm here, but, uh, you know, Garen's doing a fantastic job. Right. And Andy and Tom are, are leading the train and they're they're just, you know, continuing to produce kids who are who are doing great things. Right. I mean, the you know, you mentioned that Chittard boys team, though, uh, that's an exciting group to watch a young team. Uh, their number two runner is a freshman. Um, you know, that, that was a, a strong group that Garen beat, right. And you can't, you can't control what Burbuff does and who runs, but, uh, you know, winning the conference is a big deal. So, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Not to you. You didn't do anything. 
I'm friends with their coaches. Doesn't that mean something? Uh, and our meet of the week, this was on the uh, New Haven semi-state course, but it's located in Huntington, Indiana. Shout out to Jim Marball, my brother-in-law. He went to Huntington University. Uh, I had a girls adjustment of minus 42. Last year, it was minus 22. Makes sense. The girls were earlier last year. Now they're going later. Minus 42 is a, is a pretty, pretty steep adjustment. Yep. Uh, slight, slight upset, I would say. Um, the girls' side, Addison Knobloch of Fort Wayne Homestead won in 1856, and she was about 10 seconds in front of Addison Wiley of Huntington North, who we feel like Addison Wiley was ranked 11th in the nation on Tully Runners uh, national rankings. Some of that was from her success of her 800 and 1600 meters, but she was yeah. sixth last year at the state meet and 10th the year before that. I've heard she is playing soccer this year. That could have a bit of an impact, but she's always been good in the past, having having split her time between both sports. And then a freshman from East Noble, Addison Lindsay, was third. What do we make of this, Taylor? Three girls, one, two, three, and they're all named Addison. Uh, well, about 16, 17 years ago, a very popular name, apparently. I, so as bullish as you are on Garen, I know that you are just as big, if not a bigger fan of, of Addison Wiley. We saw, we talked about her quite a bit at the state track, I mean, for good reason, right? She did a fantastic job. When you uh, win two events, you tend to get a lot of publicity. You get some publicity, but you know, I think in the pre, in the pre-meet show, I think, uh, you know, you had your Addison Wiley shirt on and for good, for good reason, right? She did a fantastic job. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a legit win. Like you said, soccer probably has some, you know, effect, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what that schedule looks like for her down the line. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, the, the future of the, uh, New Haven semi-state era, the, the, the Addison takeover for these noble freshmen coming in. So very cool. Carol girls pick up the win. Yeah. And they were a little shorthanded, um, based on what we would think coming in. So their Carol girls, we felt like they would take a, a step or a step and a half backward off where they had been as a, as a contender. Uh, essentially, I mean, nobody contends every year, year in and year out for, for 9, 10, 11 years in a row. Um, Northridge was second. Homestead was third. Leo and Concordia were fourth and fifth. I think the Leo girls finishing ahead of Concordia, if I'm, if I'm the coach at Leo, if if I'm a parent or a kid on the Leo team, I, I feel pretty good about that because I, I think those those could potentially be the five of the six teams out of that out of that New Haven hunting slash Huntington semi-state. Yes, with HSC being the other one. Yeah, HSC Fishers, they'll be in there. I, I think Huntington North was there at the meet. They finished behind behind those schools. Um, I, I don't think we've heard the last of them. They're essentially scoring four at the semi-state. That's that's going to help. Uh, on the boys' side, the adjustment I had was minus 25. Last year, it was minus 18. Uh, no Isaiah Sturry in the boys' race. He went to a visit to UNC, University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh, he's also checked out Notre Dame recently, so those are two schools that he's, he's taken a look at. I think you and I can, can both agree. We, we know him to an extent, uh, not super well, but any, any school would be kind of got his pick of wherever he wants to go and any school would be lucky to have a guy like Isaiah, Isaiah Sturry in terms of both his, his on track or his on course performance and his character. 
Yeah. So this is, uh, like you said, I mean, it just whatever academically fits him the best in, in what he wants to do. Uh, I had a question for you here about Isaiah, Colin, and this is just sort of a, you know, speculation kind of thing, but um, it's been, you know, well, well publicized that Isaiah will, will age out of his eligibility this coming track season, right? Um, in that case, can you see a, a kid like him uh, graduate this semester and go to college early, or do you think, you know, someone like him, you know, I mean, cause I don't want to get into what Isaiah specifically will do. Right. But if you're in a situation like that, you know, do, do you stick around, uh, you know, in your second semester for all of the things happening at school, or is it time to, to go to college and get a jump start in the training? What are you thinking? That's an interesting question because we've never seen that in, as far as I know, also because if you're a distance runner, you're, your primary or at least tied for your primary season is in the spring, right? So they've got a track season, but he won't have a track season, which is a very rare issue because of the, the age. And, and when he, when he moved to this, the, when he moved to the States, um, yeah, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a terrible idea. Uh, often you see that with football, right? Football's yeah. in the fall and you're a quarterback and you want to get to Ann Arbor as quickly as you can to get adjusted and, and things like that. Uh, in this particular instance, I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that, that he would do that, but uh, that, that would be interesting. But obviously you and I as, as track coaches hope that <laughs> that's never the case. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to start a trend of uh, losing guys in the spring, but uh, yeah, just something like you said, we see in other sports football, like you said, most notably. So I just, Kind of a sure. Cole, Cole, if you're listening to this, this is not an option for you your senior year. Uh, <laughs> Karsten Schlegel and Jack Moore uh, took advantage of no Isaiah Sturry in the race. They were only separated by six-tenths of a second. Pretty close, over 5,000 meters. Uh, we feel like both of those are probably all state-level guys. Karsten Schlegel was six last year. Jack Moore uh, didn't have an excellent cross-country season. He didn't light any courses on fire the way that Jaden Serencioni did last, uh, I almost said last night, yesterday morning. Uh, right. The Zionsville invite, but he did score in the 16 or in the 3200 rather had an excellent track season ran under 920 multiple times. Um, so those are probably two possible potential likely probable even all state guys, uh, and they got a good race they both ran under 16 minutes on a very, very warm day I do not want to undersell how warm and uncomfortable it was yesterday by about nine o'clock in the morning throughout throughout Indiana. Uh, on the, on the boys side team score, Concordia boys with a victory over Noblesville, North Ridge scored 89, Concordia had 67 and Columbia city were fourth and, uh, Columbia city was fourth and Homestead was fifth. Feel like Concordia boys are a pretty, pretty steady state meet team, a staple of the state meet at this point, even potentially a, a podium team. Noblesville boys, maybe not too far back. This is the hardest year in the history of Indiana boys cross country at least how we project it in terms of getting yeah. onto the podium. Uh, Northridge Forge, I think, could be a state meet team. Columbia City, maybe more like uh, 8 to 12 at the semi-state, but maybe, maybe we'll be surprised later on. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm looking at that Concordia team, right? Three in the top five. Uh, they're probably the number two team in that semi-state. So, you know, you can sort of uh, tailor what you're doing training-wise to be ready to roll on October 30th, right? I think the number two team in the semi-state has got a really good chance, comfortable chance. You know, you never get too complacent, right? But you want to 
the odds are, you know, if we're on uh, fan duels, right, or uh, what, whatnot, then the, the odds are in their favor of going on. So, and Noblesville, a very good team. So beating them early on like that is impressive. Yeah. And I mean, if, wow, you talk about FanDuel or BetMGM or some of those uh, yeah. where, where sports gambling has become legit. I suppose you and I would be ineligible to do that. We don't want to pull a Pete Rose and bet on it. No. But uh, man, I, we could really make some money as strongly, as closely as we follow Indiana. You know what? We, you know, here's how we make the money. They would pay us to set the lines. That we could set the line. Yeah, there we go. No, no, you know no. what? Uh, hey, why don't we pause this and make some phone calls here and uh, <laughs> schedule some early retirement? Oh, I'm actually, I'm already, sorry, I'm already texting. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, let's get into our, our girls and boys teams of the week. The girls side, this team was second overall and they were, uh, you, you, may not, you may not feel super comfortable commenting on it since it's your team. They were decently close to the number one team, number one ranked team in the state. And those are the Noblesville girls. They were very, very impressive yesterday, Taylor. And I know you, we both know their coach. You're friends with their coach from a while back. Uh, Noblesville yeah. girls were great. Yeah, they look fantastic. I mean, you know, they're a young group, uh, a number one runner and a freshman uh, who was the Hamilton County champ last uh, last fall in the middle school. Um, so, yeah, they, they looked really strong. Um I, yeah, I will, we'll see how, uh, how things continue. Aaron Becker is their coach, right? Uh, Colin said, he's a buddy of mine and, um, he's doing a, a great job up there. It's, uh, Noblesville, uh, I, I would put as a lock for the podium. Um, however that might shake out. Um, but if, if you had to, to grill me on a top five, they'd be in my top five today. And on the boys team of the week, I, uh, it, they ran really well in both races. They won the 9-10 and the 11-12 at their, at their own invite, I suppose, on their, on their home course. But every course in the area, every school in the area uses this as their home course. And that is, that's Zionsville. I actually went after the, the meet uh, after the first race, and I was looking at the results on my phone because it's 2021 and we're living in the future. And I, I went up to Gabe Porras, the coach at Zionsville, and I was like, hey, this is this doesn't seem right. Like are these results, right? Did your guys finish that high up? And what I realized was they have kind of green and black uniforms that really just almost like camouflage kind of blend in. And I didn't notice how many of their boys were up front in, in a lot of those few races. So we see what you're doing here, Gabe, very sneaky tactics with the camouflage Freaky. type uniforms. But I think, uh, and, and Gabe had said this himself that, you know, this is a kind of a sneaky, good team. I, he thinks they'll be kind of better than, than they project. Um, unfortunately, for, for many teams that have a really good team, it comes at, at any year that's maybe the strongest year in, in history for the Indiana boys teams. Yeah, it certainly appears that way, right? Um, but, you know, it, we'll see. Gabe, Gabe's a great coach, and uh, Zionsville's got a really strong tradition. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see where they shake up come October. Uh, but they should be pretty excited. Definitely warranting the team of the week moniker. And here's here's a fun fact: Gabe Porras and I were the were were different ages, but we went to the same That's college. Fact. Crazy fun! Oh, they were the same college. Okay. Yeah, no, not the different ages is not the fun fact. We oh. went to the same college years apart, and we both coached teams while we were in college, so gained experience through that. We yeah. lived in the same room different you know eight years apart or whatever yeah. 
So I lived in the same room in the fraternity house that he had lived in. And you picked up some of that magic and yeah, I don't know if it was, yeah, if it kind of osmosis had seeped into the walls or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, they'd even had some of the same painting and my roommate was, was a guy that ran for Gabe at Zionsville. This is the theme of all of our podcasts, how we're all, as coaches, how we're all connected. So six degrees of Kevin Bacon here. Yeah, yeah. What? Well, this is actually one degree of of Gabe Porus. Yeah. Yeah. What's the connection? The connection is he and I Ultimate. lived in the same room, and and yeah. Then then after not not too long after uh, I had graduated, they decided to uh, they just tore that whole house down and you you wrecked it, it that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't light it on fire, like do, guys. We just gotta. Did, but take the wrecking ball and bring it down. Altavote came through and just made a mess. Yeah, it was too bad. I actually, yeah, they posted it, the school posted it on, on Facebook and I was like, I think I left my shoes in there, but I guess, I guess they're gone. So congratulations, Noblesville girls, Zionsville boys, the Indiana Runner podcast teams of the week. Let's take a break. All right, and we're back. Uh, we did our, our week 1B recap, and now we're going to play a game, Taylor, called It's Just One Week, but we're going to talk through a couple topics, a couple overreactions, or this is for us to decide. Maybe they're not overreactions. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like we're on a uh, you know ESPN show in the middle of the day. We get to play, play this game here. Well, peek behind the curtain. It is the middle of the day. It is 2-12. Shout out to the old Columbus North kids from 2007. It's 2-12 Are, are right we now. also on ESPN, though? Uh, like, honestly, we should be. I don't know why not. What's on I mean, there I, now? I Tag. have heard uh, I have heard from people, uh, mainly my own wife, so I, I don't know how much this counts, that uh, the, the key to the podcast is the good rapport back and forth, right? That yeah. guys that kind of know each other, they don't mind just – hanging out for an hour. We went out to lunch yesterday, right? After the we meet. Did. And uh, we could have done the podcast right then, except if we one plug thing, that particular restaurant, do you think uh, they'll, they'll sponsor us? I'm, I'm going to ask next time we go, which will probably be in a week. Uh, the one thing that would have really interrupted that podcast was the, the waiter asking you like three or four times to confirm your order. I think but, he was new. A lot of places yeah, to get some, yeah. some new people in. Yeah. Cause but, it was, uh, it was pretty standard order. It was right off the menu, but yeah, he has to popular menu items. items. All right, here we go. It's just one week, but Westfield girls are making the state meet. That's legit. That's legit. The Westfield girls' biggest surprise team. Uh, you know, they'll have to to do really well. So again, they're in the toughest regional, toughest semi-state. Um, so they're gonna have to be ready to roll in mid-October. Uh, but you know, they are a legitimate uh, state meet team. And as I said earlier, we've talked about before, if you come from that area and you can get to the state meet, that means you are probably a top 15, top 10, potentially team in the entire state. So that, that could very well be the Westfield girls this year. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll know a lot later on, but they were, they were really good on the state meet course. And that means something. And then they were really good at a hokum carom, which may not mean anything. But in com- those two things in combination, if you come out and light up a hokum, like, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. 
But when you do it the week after you run really, really well on, on a very, very challenging cross country course, I, there's, there's something going on. They're cooking something up at, at Westfield. And it may be until mid to late October that we find out what that is, but it's not nothing. It's the, it's the nothing. phrase of the Indiana runner podcast. It's not yeah. nothing. Apologies to Rick Weinheimer, a longtime English chair at Columbus North High School for the double negative. All right, it's just one week, but Noblesville girls are making the podium. This is also legit. I said that earlier. I think that they are, uh, you know, a top five team right now. Uh, I project them to be a top five team on October 30th. Uh, where they shake out on that podium, I think, is to be determined. But they have a, a young team that's exciting uh that is again led by a freshman right now um they they're legit they're a legit podium team i didn't i didn't put this on the rundown but here's another one it's just one week but every top runner in indiana should change her name to addison that seems to be the key to victory so if if you're listening girls you talk to mom and dad get your name changed to addison it'll be really tough for us to keep track of who's who uh, but I think well, we got that, last names to differentiate. We will one big sign that says go Addison. That ought to solve for it. sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so what you're telling me is maybe by the County meet, we're nine days away from the County meet Hamilton County. Are we going to see Addison Klopstad and Addison Romanik? If that's what it takes, man, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Those right, are two well, girls willing to do whatever it takes. I can promise last, you that last one on the girls side. It's just, I said, it's just one. I've been saying it's just one week. It's actually just two weeks. It's just two weeks, but Lily Cridge could win a national championship. I don't see why not. I, you know, I, I'd have to familiarize myself some more with the national stage, but uh, we see there are two or three or four national caliber, caliber girls here in Indiana, and she's obviously one of them. Um, so maybe some of her biggest competition comes within state, but uh I mean, she has, she was so, so dominant at that state meet uh, at Ben Davis this past year in the 32. And, uh, you know, she, she hasn't done anything but get better since then. Crazy, right? Get better. She's gone 1727. So um, yes, she could win a national title. 1727 on a girl's second year. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, I don't know exactly what time they shot the gun off for that race, but it was, nine nine thirty maybe even ten o'clock and you know that's adjusted performance based on the incc stats formula we're looking at potentially close to a 17 minute meaning are we is this going to be 1630 or 1640 you know at the at the regional at, at noblesville and in, in mid-october on a really nice day if it hasn't rained yeah she's pretty incredible to follow up like you said the 1003 in the track season yeah. Also on a warm day, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe heat and humidity is just like Lily Cridge's spinach, you know, like Popeye eats it and just goes crazy. Maybe that Love she's it. just really good at it. Uh, let's switch to the boys' side. It's just two weeks, but Fisher's boys are getting on the podium again. I, I'm going to say maybe. I'm not as I'm not as high on this one. Uh, Fisher's boys are a uh, perennial podium team, right? They're so strong. And they've got a, a now a freshman who's going to make a, an impact this year. The only reason I'm on the fence is, uh, and you alluded to this earlier, right? The boys team race is so crazy competitive at the top this year, right? 
So my, my question would be, and then not for you to directly answer now, but you could, if you wanted to write your podcast, we might tell you what to do. Uh, but you I'm know, so who, glad you admitted that. Thank you. Who would they displace? Right. I mean, yes, right. Fishers is in the conversation and definitely belongs there, but you know, it, you would have to eliminate uh, one of the other teams that I think we could sit here and be like, they're a lock, they're a lock, they're a lock. Right. So I, I don't know if, if they're quite there, but if, if they are not, if they're that sixth place team, then they're probably the, the best sixth place team we've ever seen at the state meet on the boys' side. Yeah, it's just crazy. You could go through and be like, these, these five teams are a lock for the podium, and Fishers is going to make the podium, and so could enlist other teams. And it's like, yeah, that's just, yeah, it's not, that's not the way it works. It's, it's top five no matter what. And we're in a year where the, the, the girls' individuals are very, very strong, clearly, uh, and maybe kind of one runaway individual. And the girls' teams are, uh, the, the depth maybe not there at the very, very top is, is pretty strong, but the boys teams, the, the depth is there and it, it, it could be, it could be really strong. Okay. It's just two weeks, but center Grove has the best boys team right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if we had to go to Terre Haute today and race, uh, I think I would take not center on a Grove Sunday, right sir. Now. You can't race on a Sunday in Indiana. I said, what if this is called a hypothetical? All right, all right. We're not uh, violating any IHSA rules in case you're listening, Paul. But uh, we, uh, I think that they are the, uh, the favorite right now. They, they looked really, really good uh, when we were at Laverne last weekend. Um, didn't race everybody at the Zionsville 4K, right? Decided to sit some guys. Uh, but they would be my pick today. Solidly in the top five, obviously. But my pick to win, if, again, if we were to race today. It's just two weeks, Taylor, and don't you dare disagree with me, but Garen's Tom Ullman and Andy Cowan are the greatest coaching duo in Indiana since Larry Bird and Rick Carlisle. Well, I'm not, I'm not allowed to disagree with you, I guess. So, uh, yeah, Tom and Andy. I mean, you know, and why, why, why would you disagree, right? Uh, they're, they're doing great things at Garen, so good for them. Good Larry Bird. Rick Carlisle coming back, right? Maybe he can do something for – a Pacers team that needs it badly. Oof, but, Can't uh, wait. I mean, we missed, you know, you and I ended up going to one game last year, but we weren't really allowed to even go until, until later on, but hopefully vaccinations, uh, rates go down, cases go down, hit up some more games this year, full, full schedule. I think, I think it's 82. The schedule just came out. I think it's 82 yeah. games this year. So, yeah, I think so see what uh, not only will we see what Rick Carlisle can do for the Pacers, but we'll see what uh, Tom and uh, Tom and Andy can continue to do for Garen. They made the state meet last year. Most of their boys graduated and gosh, if they're not right there again, Tom, Andy, if you're listening, I want a t-shirt. I got, I got two sweatshirts here. I want to, I want a t-shirt. Uh, let's get into just some kind of basic talk coaches corner. What's the uh, pretend like you don't know me super well? What's what's the transition been like from from North Central to Carmel? Just moving up from you know eighty sixth to one hundred and thirty first. Yeah, um, you know what? It's it's been really great. It's fantastic, right? Um, so I am the the girls cross country coach. I'll be coaching uh, girls track as well. Uh, but I think you may have mentioned this earlier, Colin. Uh, I also am a teacher, right? So I'll be I'm teaching in the building. I teach social studies. So it's great to get to know 
uh, girls who are on the team in a different setting, the classroom setting. So that's been fun. Uh, school's off to a great start. Uh, 144 girls on the roster and they're just fantastic people and you get to know them. And, uh, you know, for those who aren't me or you, right, or don't know, uh, we had a, a big team picnic yesterday, so get to meet all the families. But the transition is, has gone smoothly. Um, it's just a, a really fantastic place to be, and I'm really excited to be a part of that family. Shout out to the picnic. They uh, Not only did they feed you know hundreds of people there, uh, had everything set up, they had Cherry Coke. You had, to, you had to know which cooler to look in, but I got a Cherry Coke right after the race with it, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's... Uh, what was it by 10 o'clock yesterday? 180 degrees Fahrenheit? Give, give or take. It was pretty with 100% humidity, man. It was pretty warm. Uh, not, not a fun environment, that's for sure. Yeah. Although, uh, like we've talked about, Brock Hagerman talks about this sometimes, that like the, the heat and humidity, especially humidity of, of Indiana and the Midwest in general, is good for your training. Yeah. And, and we'll get into that in, in a little bit. What... Uh, what are some of the differences? I asked, I asked Rick Weinheimer this last week when he was on. Uh, what are some of the differences for you between you coach the boys at North Central? You were nominally the head coach for the boys, but you and Chad worked together a lot. And so you were, you were working with the boys and the girls. One of you was officially the boys coach. One was officially the girls coach. And now you're just, you are officially the girls coach at Carmel. And it's hard to work with both. And when you each got a hundred and, 20, 140 kids on the team. So yeah. what are some of the differences you think between coaching the girls and coaching the boys? There, there aren't, there really aren't any differences. I mean, you know, whether, you know, you're a high school boy or high school girl, you know, you want to be pushed, right. You want to get better. Uh, you want to have uh, an experience that you take away and look back on in years. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of, of training, maybe there's some, some slight differences, but 98% of what, I do, would do, how I, who I am. I mean, as a coach, you know, it's, it's the very same with boys and girls. There's really no, no difference. We're at a really, we've talked about this multiple times on this podcast over the last less than an hour. It's a really, really warm time. I'm going to pull it up right now. We coach in Carmel, central Indiana, north side of Indianapolis from 96 to 146th street. All right, Monday, high, 90. Tuesday, high, little reprieve here, Taylor, 88. Wednesday, high, 91. Thursday, high, 91. Friday, high, 88. Saturday, high, 91. But, of course, you can go earlier in the mornings on a Saturday. So when you think about the safety of the athletes, which is obviously our highest priority, but also the training and we're what 10 weeks away from the state meet as of yesterday. What do you do with a, with a weekly forecast like that? Yeah. Well, I made a decision today and sent it out to families that uh, we're going to practice most of this week in the morning before school. Uh, now we're at a school that we can do that, right? We start at nine Oh five. So it's nine. not asking, uh, you know, kids to be up at some ungodly hour and and even then and and, you know i totally agree that in the heat and humidity which you know those are real temps that you read that doesn't even include the heat index and whatever it feel like but um 
you know, the training benefit is there. Uh, but as you mentioned, safety would be the, the bigger question. So, you know, at, at 7 a.m. or whatever tomorrow morning race is going to be in the, the mid to low 70s, right? So it's not as if we're, we're going to duck out on, on the heat and humidity altogether, but it's going to be 7 a.m. tomorrow in Carmel, 66. And uh, I imagine 100% humidity in, in yeah. August. Well, that's good to know. I'll, I'll definitely wear a, a long sleeve and maybe a hoodie because dip below 70 but um they uh uh, you know i think that having the the morning practice this week because it is more than likely going to be the hottest week of the year at least of our cross-country season uh that it it sort of makes sense to do that uh but i mean i know that there are other things that can be done as well what what is your plan for the week so in we're, we're talking about this on the podcast, but clearly, I mean, Taylor and I are pretty close. So we, we spend a lot of time together every, every day, essentially, and uh, the meets and all of that. But I, I think what we're going to do is we've got our kind of training plan set out for the week. Um, we would still at this point, we're, we're typically not getting into many faster or harder workouts. Um, we have a good practice venue that part of it is just unavailable right now due to construction essentially. Um, so there's a benefit to, there's a benefit to running, even if it's easy running, what we would call mileage. Some teams might call it easy run recovery. Although we, I hesitate to use the word recovery, right? Cause if you do it for six days in a row, what are you recovering from? Sure. Um, and I think that we'll, we'll mainly stick to that, get our long run in one day, but we'll, we're going to go after school and after school, it's going to be close to 90 each day. And we're just going to tell the boys, here are the boundaries of which you can run on our campus, but our campus is, it's a school of 5,500 kids. So it's gigantic. Um, and you can get close to maybe a mile away if we kind of extend the boundaries saying, you know, don't go more than this far. Don't go outside of this neighborhood that, that borders our campus uh, and make sure that they just come back every 10 to 15 minutes. Come back. You got your water bottles. You can fill your water bottles up inside, set them outside, take a sip out of that, stop your watch, take a break, finish your full long run or your mileage. And so if we were going to run 40 minutes or 45 minutes, or whatever it is based on, you know, your training level. Certainly we've got just with 120, 140, 160 kids as we have some years, uh, there's going to be differentiated levels, training levels. Right. So they're going to all run kind of different amounts of time. That's, that's our plan for this upcoming week. And then, and then run hard, do our hard workout Saturday morning when we can. Uh, that's, that's our plan for the week and know that yeah, it, it may not be super fun, may not be real pretty, but uh, getting all of your minutes, getting, you know, for some of these guys, 45, 50 or more miles this week, and, and the majority of that coming at, at an easier intensity, but at 90 degrees uh, with lower humidity after school in the afternoon, uh, that, that's, that's, still a good, that's still a good training week. Right. And, you know, if- for teams who choose not to or can't uh, go before school. I mean, like you mentioned, right, backing off on the intensity, making some adjustments, uh, checking in and, and making sure that we're not getting too far away from, you know, 
whatever our, our starting point may be, locker room, what have you. It's always a, a good way to handle it, right? It's certainly not worth overextending here at the end of August and, um, you know, something that potentially would be avoidable happen. You know what I'm saying? Right. And there's, you know, there's even charts you can find. And I know uh, at least one website that I I've used in the past. That's like, okay, here's the, the two main factors in terms of how the, the weather is affecting your running distance running. And that is the temperature and the dew point. The dew point is essentially uh, an amount of moisture in the air. It's pretty closely linked to the humidity that, okay, well, if an ideal if an ideal temperature is you'd like to run six minute pace for your threshold run or six minute pace for your interval workout or whatever, that you can keep the kids kind of close to school. But like you said, that makes, that makes the most sense of, even if we're running easy, even if it's a six to eight mile run, let's say for most of the kids and at Carmel, it's a lot of, we've got the Monon. The Monon is a great, resource a great tool that we have we don't want to go three miles straight out with all of the kids and that you're then three miles away from school because if you have a problem due to the weather due to the heat the humidity it's not going to be in the first two minutes it's going to be later on you don't want to be three miles away from school with a problem so yeah sticking sticking close to school you can still run you can still get everything in it's an extra benefit from the heat and humidity but we've got to be ready for it and obviously like in any sport, I mean, safety is our highest priority. And that's, that's the big yeah. thing that we're thinking about is it's 90. Um, but let's not sit around and lament and feel sorry for ourselves that it is hot because this is good for us. Yeah. This yeah. is good. If we, can, if we can be prepared for practice, we can handle it right. The coaches make adjustments. Like, let's get in a good week. Let's go out and get it. We'll work out hard Saturday morning when it's 70 instead of 90. And this will be good for us. Not only later on, deferred gratification for the tournament, but it'll be good for us in, in a week when the when the temperatures start to cool down. Yeah, neither our boys nor girls are racing this coming Saturday, right? So it'll be a great time to to get a good workout in. Yep, for sure. And then we've got, you know, potentially two the next week, depending on what we want to do with our with our lineups. Yeah. Uh, I think that's good. We want to do a miscellaneous minute. Uh, we can do the minute. Go ahead. What do you okay, got? So we like to go one thing outside of, of distance running, one thing outside of cross country or track and field. You ready? Let's do Most it. Most painful. You and I are about the same age. We grew up around the same time. We have the same favorite right? athletes. And uh, what is your most painful loss as an Indiana sports fan? Uh, boy. Yeah. Indiana sports. You've got fan. a lot of options. There are lots of options. I, I'm just going to give the, you know, it, any AFC championship game in the mid 2000s, you know, a, a Colts team that was 14 and 2, 15 and 1, 13 and 3, whatever in the regular season. And you're like, man, we're, we're just clicking, you know, Manning to Harrison to Wayne to Dallas Clark. I mean, whatever. Right. And then, you know, you hit that team that I won't mention from uh you know the new england area uh that's hard so any of those because you always feel really good and you got this uh you know special quarterback there and you, and you think this is the year and okay so i think there actually is a right answer to this okay go ahead and i don't think it's an afc championship because the lost playoff games to new england 
were the the Patriots Colts playoff games were always won by the home team and the home team is the better team based on record right so those didn't bother me as much as this one my senior year of high school and my dad and I have had season tickets I think since I was eight maybe 10 and I'm 34 so a long long time in my senior year, which would have been the 2005 football season, so it happened in January or February of 2006, the Colts lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You remember this? I do, yes. Mike Vanderjet missed a field right. goal by uh, a substantial amount. A mile, right? I mean, it was and that would have, it would have tied the game potentially and sent it into overtime. Yeah. But the most heartbreaking part of it was Pittsburgh was just killing us all game. And they're getting ready to score a touchdown, which would make them go up by double, double possessions, double figures. Yeah. And somehow Gary Brackett hits his helmet on the ball. Jerome Bettis is carrying it. Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl. They made a big deal out of Jerome Bettis. It was his last season, whatever. Is he from Oh, gosh, don't, don't even start. So he hits it, and the ball just randomly pops out, and Nick Harper yeah. picks the ball up, and he's got a clear shot to run down to the end zone and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe we escaped this. We're going to win. We're a team of destiny. And uh, first of all, he can't run that fast because Nick Harper was involved in some sort of – this isn't funny, but some sort of domestic violence incident the night before – and was yeah. stabbed in the knee. So of all the guys to be pick up the loose fumble, loose ball, and try to run it back, the guy that spent the night in the hospital after that, and then he's got a clear shot but doesn't judge it right, and Roethlisberger trips him up. Yeah. And he falls down. That was by far the worst, most painful sports memory. You got any, yeah. you got any specific Pacers ones? Well, I'll have to think about the Pacers one, but as you told the story about that Pittsburgh game, what came to mind is this is the infamous Mike Vanderjack makes a silly comment later that Peyton Manning. I think it was earlier. Earlier, but Peyton Manning addresses it at the Pro Bowl. Right. And then the next, I think it was like the next season or, or two years later, and they were like, yeah, they, they had to let him go, right? Uh, yeah, they had to let him go. So, yeah, this is uh, – that, that came to mind. A Pacers one, well, I haven't had the chance, and I don't know if I could stomach watching it, but, you know, the new Netflix documentary about the, uh, the malice at the palace isn't exactly your – well, you know what? In fact, I'll argue that it does fit your criteria because I think we did lose what was a potential championship that night there at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Uh, I, you watched that game live, right? You were watching that game? I, I didn't watch it live. We were – we were talking about this yesterday when we went to lunch. I, um, it was the semi-state championship for football. Obviously, I didn't play football. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. And uh, we were back at my friend's house, and another friend, after we got back from the game, wasn't there, but called us and told us to turn it on. And that's when we watched kind of the – yeah, I think I got, I got a really underrated Pacers one. Do you remember the year that uh, – we lost to LeBron. Uh, which one? Because oh, we okay, yeah, you're right. That's every year. This yeah. was the this was the year he was on the Cavs, and it was the first year after the uh, 
Paul George trade. So we had Oladipo and we had Sabonis. And we took the Cavs to seven games and we lost game seven in Cleveland. Yeah. Cavs made the finals that year. They got destroyed by Golden State. Yeah. Game five, Pacers came all the way back, had the ball tie game less than 30 seconds to go. Oladipo gets it, drives, gets past LeBron. LeBron fouls him, goaltends. Neither of them are called. They come down, LeBron hits a three, and that's it. That was maybe the most single kind of devastating loss for me. And and we're not old enough to remember Pacers lost game seven, 1994. I mean, you would have been a really young kid. I remember that series happening, but I wasn't old enough to stay up for that. Yeah. And then some of the other ones, it's like, yeah, we lost a game seven, but we got, we got blown out. We weren't going to win that game. Yeah. So. Yeah. Plenty of uh, disappointments for uh, Indianapolis or Indiana area sports fans. But, hey, hey, this could be the year the Pacers win, Taylor. Uh, it, it could. I mean, they're undefeated this season, so that's a good start. So far, yeah. Yeah, and you and I have to check out some of the games. Hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, I will see you every day for the next 25 to 30 years. That sounds great. I appreciate you having me, Colin. All right. Hey, thanks, man.